The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. It's 22 after 11 o'clock. Thank you for joining us on the program. Uh, just to give you a sense of what's happening in Bloemfontein, uh, this is where the Secretary General of the ANC is appearing at this hour. Uh, currently, a very packed courtroom. Uh, there are some leaders of the ANC that I'm seeing. They include uh, the likes of Tony Yengeni. I'm seeing the spokesperson, Bule Mabe, also in the courtroom uh, alongside, um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing these are already uh, some of those that we had previously mentioned. The Secretary General is currently sitting in the dock. They are waiting for this court case to get underway. And as I said, uh, the Secretary General is accused number eight in this matter. So we'll have to interrupt our conversation with Professor Buleng Lingabula if uh, those court proceedings get underway within this hour. Within this hour, rather, we are certainly uh, standing by for that. So hopefully we'll be able to get as much out of her as possible uh, before we have to do that. Now she's going to be taking over from Professor Manda Makanya from January 2021. She's been endorsed by many academics and those in the education sector. So let's find out a little more about her. Professor Lengabula, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. I'm really delighted to join you this morning and to your listeners. But I also want to thank you all for your well wishes on this august uh, invitation to becoming the leader of UNISA. I suppose at the time that you were shortlisted as one of two candidates that might take up this position. Um, Part of you started to perhaps get a bit ready for what might happen if you were the selected candidate. What has the process been like? The the process has been uh, daunting, as I shared with you, Cathy, because on the one hand, one didn't want to be presumptuous that uh, we were going to be uh, selected. But at the same time, the fact that we were shortlisted was an invitation for me to really rethink exactly what I've, I I put up as a proposition for rethinking, reigniting, and repurposing the value of UNISA as an institution of higher learning, but university as a cradle of knowledge and intellectual formation. So yes, I did uh, have some some ideas that I think uh, I will start with when I join in in January or February. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about who you are and how you have ended up in this position. Why academics? What led you into a career in academics? So, so I must first start by saying I, uh, my clan name is Kiliputing. Uh, uh, and it's it's uh, for for us as Africans is always important to center ourselves. I'm a South African of South Africa in Lesotho descent, so my maternal family is in Lesotho. When I started in my life, I started with a commitment to teaching students with disabilities, but I wasn't able to access a special education, and I decided to do. Uh, education, theology, and English. Therefore, the idea was that if I could become a teacher, 
my, my whole idea was that teaching was a calling. It's something that I really was passionate about. But as I went on in my studies, especially in my master's degree, I understood that the academy was quite important and universities were quite important in forming intellectuals, in resourcing uh, economic systems, in shaping society, and in ensuring that uh, our countries participate competitively in the global arena. And I think that became an attractive avenue towards thinking around the academy. Now, getting into academia is not very easy. It takes a lot of work. People need to have a number of research papers that are published by credible journalists, uh, by credible journals rather, and those that are highly accredited in order to increase one's ranking uh, in, in that world. Give us a bit of insight into the kind of work that you would have been doing um, throughout your, your career that has enabled this to be an opportunity for you? So, so before I joined, thank you, before I joined UNISA, I worked at the Institute for Contextual Theology. I worked at, at the South African Council of Churches, where I was managing the European Union-funded projects uh, that had been uh, contributed to during the anti-apartheid struggle. I worked under a lady called Kumo. And Kumo was quite passionate about knowledge and saw my talent. And, and, and that was quite interesting. So I organized a conference on the contemporary ethical questions of South Africa uh, for the Institute of Contextual Theology. Whilst I was facilitating, a professor from UNISA, Professor Musoma, says, I want this woman, what are you studying? Because I was facilitating. So I said, no, I studied ethics and I had published uh, works. I had already published work under a very famous uh, Canadian uh, social justice activist, uh, John Mihevik, on the market tells them so. I was reflecting on the implications of um, mining retrenchments at that time. People were not necessarily writing around globalization and its implications for the mining sector. But I was writing about it in a gendered manner because on the one hand, as a feminist scholar, I was interested in the implications on women and children and their societies, and on the other, on the global economic structures. So, so that was my entry. So then, in another conference, Professor Mukheti Motabi found me and, and invited me to come and join as a part-time lecturer. I didn't have money to going back to Canada for my PhD. Therefore, UNISA became an, a good alternative for me. And I found UNISA exciting because we were taught how to write, how to teach, how to teach distantly, mm -hmm. but also how to care for those on the underside, mm -hmm. not just for the elite and privileged. And that I think that's what has formed me.
Ah, absolutely incredible. So we'll find out more about Professor Buleng Lengabula in a moment. It's edging up to 11.30. Uh, so we'll take you to Utile Sako, who's got your latest 11.30 update. And we'll continue our conversation with Professor Buleng. Let's have the conversation. WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. All right, coming up at noon is the update at noon with Sakina Kamwendo. And as they always do, the show is going to bring you updates in terms of the big developing stories of the day. Undoubtedly, the appearance of the ANC Secretary General Ace Mahashule in the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court is going to be uh, one of the things that they are looking into. They'll give you an update on this particular story. Um, they'll also be looking into the Police Minister Beki Kele, who is expected to brief the media on the quarterly crime statistics reflecting crime outcomes that occurred between uh, the 1st of July to the end of September 2020. Uh, that's coming up at noon with the updated noon with Sakina Kamwendo. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. Okay, so we continue our conversation with uh, the incoming Vice-Chancellor of UNISA, uh, Professor Buleng Lingabula. Prof, when, when I look at the, the reaction that people have had to your appointment, many people are seeing it also as a shout-out, if I can put it that way, to black girl magic, effectively. And your appointment takes place in a, at a time where there have been conversations, not just nationally, but globally around the contributions and the roles of black women and the need to be able to have more powerful women like yourself in positions of significance. What does that mean to you? And how do you as an individual reflect on on, on that conversation and I suppose that narrative? Uh, thank you. I, I am actually appreciative uh, that I have been given the opportunity for a historical, not historical change. Mm-hmm. Partly because um, universities have not often embraced women, uh, even when they have embraced us, even when we are intellectually competent we work hard, we are agile, we bring new knowledge systems. Oftentimes, it has not embraced us in leadership. So I'm hoping that all the young women, all the girls, all the black women or women who are disabled or women who have been either made to feel like they don't have the requisite skills for the work that they're passionate about, never to fear uh, taking up and raising their hands. The second part is that there is a burden of being the first because there's sometimes also fear that one might fail. Mm. If I have the support of staff, of stakeholders and of students and our vision for changing South Africa Africa's knowledge systems and to ensuring that it contributes positively to the global community, then all of us will have won. Mm. And, and, and the reactions that I, I heard and the congratulatory messages came from people on the margins, they came from people in the academy. That informed me that 
people yearn for higher education systems that are attentive to their challenges, mm. that are innovative, that create change, that transform societies, and that ensure that women's voices are not silenced, are not muted, but they are empowered to take leadership and to take space in those areas that they can influence change for the better and are appreciative of that. I also know that not all people believe that we have the relevant competences, even though we have published, even though we have inhabited spaces that mm. some male leaders may not have done or accomplished things that others may not have done. But what is important is not to listen to the naysayers, but to listen mm. to the passionate appeals for change for the better in our society and mm. globally. What do you think is the cause of that? Um, the fact that, you know, one's abilities, one's qualifications may be questioned to the extent that um, sometimes yours have been even in, in disappointment. And, and I mean, you know, make no mistake about it. You've held multiple senior positions at different institutions. And so you would well you would you would well be capacitated to take on a role of this nature yeah i think i think it's patriarchy but i also think there are semblances of racism and i think uh, when we looked at how mamukheti was treated recently mamukheti's uh, intellectual work as a mathematics uh, uh, educator was questioned but mamukheti asked why is my professorship questioned when I have a PhD, when I have publications, when I have students that I've supervised. Yet institutions of higher learning in South Africa used to appoint uh, white professors as, as, as professors without even PhDs. And she, she gave an example. Professor, of Professor Ling Tabula, I'm going to unfortunately have to interrupt you there. Um, you would know that yes. we're also standing by and watching the developments at the yes, Bloomfield Magistrate's Court. So, yeah, so it looks like the, the magistrate has just walked in. We're going to go to that courtroom, see how much of that um, we can take, how long it's going to last. And hopefully there'll still be time for us to finish our conversation, uh, failing which we'll probably have to reschedule um, this interview. Apologies for this. So we're going to go live now to the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court.